0: Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Good morning, Peavine. What a glorious glorious day to be in the lord's house thank you so much for allowing me to come today and pastor joel i just want to say to you how much i appreciate your friendship and your leadership and all that god is doing here although i think we all know this the secret sauce to the success here is really sherry we all know that but uh, but uh i worked uh, as uh, pastor joel mentioned we worked together for a number of years at the georgia baptist mission board And uh, then it was the Georgia Baptist Convention. And after uh, Joel left, uh, I was asked to to go to a different department and lead uh, the Office of Church Minister Relations. And we did a number of things in that office. But one of the things that we we got involved with was churches that are fighting and churches that split and churches that have conflict and pastors that have issues. And uh, so to be able to come into this environment this church, the, the health, the blessing, the thriving, the growth, and to see what God is doing here. Pastor Joel, I'm blown away, and I know that God has you here for such a time as this, and I'm grateful for all that God is doing through your leadership here at Peavine. Thank you again for allowing me to be here today. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to John chapter number four. John chapter four. I want to speak to you for just a few moments on The subject of carrying on the Father's business. Carrying on the Father's business from John chapter 4. I'll be reading from the uh, New King James Version. And I'll begin reading in verse number 3. Under divine inspiration, the apostle gives us these words. He, Jesus, left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. We would simply say it was noon. It was lunchtime. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Look at verse 13. I, I, I envision Jesus sitting by this well, don't you? He's sitting there. He's re- relaxed, sitting by the well. And I see Jesus motioning with his hands, don't you? And Jesus says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. At this point, verse 27, if you look there, at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water parts and went away into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You know, as we read this this, um, experience that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman, Jesus says there that he's come to do the Father's work and to finish the Father's work. We know that he's speaking of the Samaritan woman. She is his work. But my mind goes back in time to when Jesus was just a boy of 12 years of age. You remember what happened. He left the little dusty village of Nazareth. And today Nazareth is a modern city, but in Jesus' day it was just a little village with just a few families living there. It was a very small, dusty, dirty, backwards place. And Jesus, once a year with his family, would leave Nazareth and they would walk to Jerusalem to the Passover And Jerusalem today, even with our 21st century minds and eyes, it's still overwhelming the first time you see Jerusalem. I can't imagine what it must have been like for a 12-year-old boy in the first century from a dusty, dirty little village to walk and see Jerusalem. But you all know what happened. They're there celebrating the Passover, and it's time to leave, and the caravan gets ready to walk back to the little town of Nazareth where they all live. And Joseph thinks Jesus is with Mary. Mary thinks Jesus is with Joseph. And they get a day's journey away from Jerusalem, and they discover he's not there. He's not with them. Pastor Joel, I can only imagine the panic that must have set in, that must have ensued when they realize Jesus is not with us. So they turn around, go back another day. And the Bible says for three days they looked all over Jerusalem for their son. There's probably still a lot of people even though Passover was over. The city was still swelled with all of these extra people and travelers and they're going here yonder and there looking everywhere they think a 12 year old boy might be. For some reason, they decide, let's go to the temple. I don't know that they thought Jesus would be in the temple. Maybe they just went there to pray, God, show us where our son is. You say, well, Mary knew that Jesus was the son of God, and so she wasn't worried. I agree with the first half of that statement. Certainly, Mary knew that Jesus was the son of God. She knew if anyone believed in the virgin birth, it was Mary. But I disagree with the second half of that statement. She's also a mom. You won't convince me that she's not worried sick about her boy she can't find. And they go into the temple, and there, as Mary sees Jesus, and Jesus sees Mary, she's surprised to see him. And Jesus is surprised that she's surprised. And <laughs> Do you remember what Jesus said to his mother? She said something along the lines of, I believe she even referred to Joseph as your father, which that's proper. An adoptive father is a father. Your your father and I, we've been looking all over for you. We've been worried sick. That's sort of my, my translation there. Remember what Jesus said to his mom? Mom, don't you know? I must be about my father's business. And he wasn't speaking of his adoptive father, Joseph. He wasn't speaking of the carpentry business. He was speaking of our father who art in heaven. I must be about my father's business. I must carry on my father's business. And in John chapter 4, we catch Jesus carrying on the father's business. Uh, I, I don't come from a long line of preachers. Pastor Joel and I, we have so much in common. I think that's why we just became instant friends 20 years ago. Joel, you're getting old, brother. Yeah, that's right. Joel was six, I was eight. So, uh. But um, we didn't come from a long line. We came from Christian families, but not a long line of preachers. Uh, my father was a very blue-collar man. My father, who's in heaven, he, he passed away uh, 22 years ago. But uh, he owned and operated a commercial plumbing company. They put plumbing in big commercial buildings. And when my father opened his business, I was probably 12 years of age. I was just a, a young boy. And my father had, has three sons. I have an older brother, I have a younger brother, and I'm in the middle. So that tells you all about me. The attention seeker is always in the middle, right? And so when my dad named his company, he named his company Merit, it's our last name, not just Merit Plumbing, but Merit and Sons Plumbing. You can Google Merit and Sons Plumbing today. My two brothers, Jeff and David, own and operate a thriving commercial plumbing company called Merit and Sons Plumbing. But my father had one son who failed miserably in the plumbing business. As a matter of fact, I remember my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Long, asking me, uh, asking all of the kids in the classroom, But when it came my turn, what do you want to be when you grow up? I remember what I said. I said, Ms. Long, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But I know what I don't want to be when I grow up. (laughs) I don't want to be a plumber. I failed miserably in my father's business is what I'm trying to say to you this morning. I failed miserably. And that's okay. God had a different path for me. But when it comes to our father's business... You and I cannot afford to fail miserably in our father's business. We want to stand before the Lord and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servants. You carried on my business, the business of making Christ known. That's our job as believers, and obviously, Pastor Joel Something is going on here in Rock Springs that people know here at Peavine Baptist Church that you not only have found the Lord Jesus Christ, been radically born again, but now you seek to share him with others. And if you and I want to be successful in our Father's business, we want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servants, then we need to learn the three principles in this text this morning. The first principle is found in verses 4 through 7. It is simply this. If we want to succeed in our father's business and not fail, then we must believe that every person is valuable to God. Do you believe that, church? Every person is valuable to God. That's why in this text, she is, she's just absolutely blown away. How is it that you being a Jew would value me? That's what she's saying? How is it that you, being a Jew, would find worth in me from Jerusalem to Galilee? I've never timed it. It's 75 or 80 miles from Jerusalem to Galilee. And in between Jerusalem and Galilee is the, the area of Samaria. And obviously, there's many roads that go through there. But they tell me that in ancient times, There was kind of a highway, if you will, on the west side and kind of a highway, if you will, on the east side that Jews would take so that they didn't really have to intermingle with the Samaritans. But Jesus so valued this woman that no one else obviously valued that he didn't take that east highway, HOV lane. He didn't take that west highway, HOV lane. He went right into the heart because he valued the woman so much that he would eventually give his life for her. Even the disciples. Now they had too much respect, verse 27, to say, what in the world are you doing talking to her? They had too much respect to say that, but they were wondering it. If you saw a member of the P. Vine Baptist Church and this member was talking to someone on the streets and obviously the person was homeless or looked like a, an outlaw or a criminal, you shouldn't say, what in the world is one of our church members doing talking to that person? You should say, God, give my church member grace as he ministers to this person who is lost. Every soul is valuable to God, but her value was not based upon her birthright. It had nothing to do with the fact that she was a Samaritan and not a Jew, or a Jew and not a Samaritan. God loves us all. God must love all ethnicities because he made so many of us. And I will remind you that every nation and kindred and tongue will be represented when we get to our heavenly home. Oh, we are created in the image of God and these man-made distinction between the races that it only brings us problems. Our worth is not, Jesus didn't save us because we're Americans or because of the color of our skin. Her worth is certainly not based on her life accomplishments. Sometimes we look at people and we say, well, this, this woman, this poor woman here, she was born on the wrong side of the tracks, but boy, didn't she make something of her life? You know, as Americans, we admire that. Someone that's born in poverty and they work their way out and they really build something up and make a name for themselves. We, we find worth and value in those kinds of people often, don't we? Is that the case here? Absolutely. Just the opposite. <laughs> She's been married and divorced five times and she has nothing to show for her life. As a matter of fact, she was born on the wrong side of the track and she only went downhill from there. She's made a mess of her life. Her value is not based on her race. Her value is not based on her life's accomplishments. Her worth, her value, just as ours... It's based on the love and the grace of almighty God. I guess probably the theme verse for the bible is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. That's where our worth, that's where our value is. We are are loved by God. We must believe that Every person, every soul is valuable to God. But if we're to be successful in our Father's business and not fail, we must also acknowledge a second truth, one that's a little more uh, harsh, if you will. And that is, while everyone is loved and valued by God, not every person is right with God. All of us know someone who's lost, and to be lost by definition means you're not right with God verse number 22 Jesus really points out to this woman that you Samaritans worship what you do not know Jesus is saying to her she tries to have this religious conversation with Jesus and Jesus just says whoa, whoa wait a minute man you don't even know God you're not right with God God loves you yes God values you so much he goes out of his way to find you He risked his reputation to find you and to speak to you in public. But ma'am, you need to understand, you're not right with God. You're lost. That was a very uh, difficult thing for her to hear, but deep down inside, I believe she knew that. I believe she would acknowledge God's truth, that she was disconnected from God. If we're going to get right with God, step number one is to acknowledge God's truth. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. That's God's truth. We are sinners and our sin has separated us from God. We're sinners twofold. Sinners by birth, we were born that way, and sinners by choice. We can't just blame our birth. And our sin separates us from God. God is holy, God is righteous, God is perfect. And I'm over here, I'm none of those things. And no matter how hard I try to be a better person, it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that none of yourselves, not of works lest any man should boast. We must acknowledge God's truth that we are lost. We are sinners. Our sin separates us from God. No amount of good deeds can make up for the fact that we have violated God's standard of perfection. Oh, but brothers and sisters, the good news is this same Jesus This same Jesus that intersected the life of the woman at the well died on the cross for her sin, for my sin, for your sin, all of the wrath, all of the punishment that God had reserved for me, Jesus took that upon himself on the cross. Oh, but because he was not just a man, but because he was God on the third day. We sang about that this morning. He began to breathe again. He arose from the grave. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, that's good news. But We must acknowledge God's truth that we must be saved when we acknowledge God's truth, then we can receive God's Spirit. That's what he tells her in verses 23 and 24. You will become a true worshiper of God. Not just somebody that has some knowledge about God and worship, but you'll become a true worshiper when the Spirit of God comes to dwell in you. I would say to you this morning, if you're watching us online or if you're here in person, That if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you will acknowledge that you're lost, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, the Bible says. But if we're going to be right with God, and if we're going to be about the Father's business, there's one final principle that I want us to understand. When it comes to the Father's business, every Christian can make a difference. When it comes to the Father's business, every Christian can make a difference. Now, I don't want to just say this because Pastor Joel let me preach today, but I, just, I want to tell you this. There's not a lot of people that can do what Pastor Joel has done here. I'm just being honest with you. There's not a lot of people can, has his leadership mantle. He has a he has a special gift from God, and anybody that knows him knows that. But you don't have to be the senior pastor at a thriving, growing church to be active in the Father's business. God has something for all of us to do. You say, Yes, but, but you don't understand. I've been married and divorced. Well, guess what? She was married and divorced five times and was living with a guy. <laughs> Every Christian can make a difference in the Father's business. The disciples, who were certainly uh, the chosen men to carry on the Father's business, and they did that. They did such a wonderful job, but they often stumbled. And in this particular instance, I see them stumbling. They're not at their best. Jesus comes back, Jesus is at the well, they come back with Jesus' lunch. And they see this woman at the well in verse 27. They're confused why she's there. Uh, and they're wanting to come and give Jesus his food. And it's almost like they're trying to push her away from Jesus. That's why Jesus says, look, she, I, I, I come to do the, the, the will of the Father and to finish his work. She's my work. They're, they're trying to get between, they're, they're trying to say, Jesus, here's your food. And Jesus is saying, she's my food. She's the reason I'm here. I didn't come here to eat lunch. I came here to seek and to save that which is lost. This throwaway person that nobody cares about. Jesus said, I care so much. Not only will I risk my reputation, but I'll die for her. And the the disciples just like, here's your lunch, here's your lunch. They, They missed it. They missed ministry in this particular case. I've done that so many times. So many times I've been so busy doing ministry that I miss people that God brings across my path. They are distracted witnesses. I don't want to be a distracted witness. This woman, she was what I call a dynamic witness. Even with all of her baggage, even with all of her past, that God would say, what baggage, what past? I've I've forgiven her of that. That's been thrown into the the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. Ma'am, I've got a job for you in my business. Tell others about the saving grace of Almighty God. The Bible says many of the Samaritans believed on Jesus because of the testimony of the woman, because of her faithfulness. Many people came to know Jesus Christ. I was at the Southern Baptist Convention several years ago. It was the year that it was in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I was there uh, with the mission board and uh, I was um, doing the normal duties we do at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting. I saw a friend of mine, I'll give you his name in case you want to Google him to verify this story. Pastors sometimes exaggerate. This is no exaggeration. The pastor's name is Matt C. Brady, pastor of the Eastside Baptist Church in Claxton, Georgia. Pastor Brady and I were going to eat lunch on one particular day, so I met him after the morning session, and we went to Weber's Grill. Weber's Grill was packed out with lunch patrons We waited 10 or 15 minutes to get a table. They finally took us to a little table in the back corner of the restaurant. Pastor Joel, the table was no bigger than this lectern. It was tiny. And we were squeezed in there with everybody else. We just wanted to eat lunch. The waiter's name was Rob. He was a Roman Catholic. He came around to take our order. And maybe because of the way we were dressed, I don't know, he said, Are you fellas across the street at the convention center at that big Baptist meeting? And I said, yes, sir, we sure are. Now, remember, he asked me, I'm not the hero of the story, he asked me, are you guys with the Baptist meeting? And I said, yes, we are. And he said, as he's standing there with with his, you know, his order thing in his hand, well, I'm a Catholic, what's the difference? Pastor, I mean, you know, I've got 30 seconds here, you know, the guy gets paid, by quickly getting your food out to you there's a hundred people waiting on him to take I can't just sit here and, and talk for 20 minutes and so I forget Baptist I forget Catholic and I said this well here's the deal Rob we're all sinners we're sinners by nature it means we were born that way and we're sinners by choice and the Bible says that our sin separates us from God that's bad news the Bible also says there's nothing that we can do to make up for the fact that we're a sinner it's really bad news but the word gospel means good news. And the good news is Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son, came to this earth in the body of a man and he died on the cross for my sins. He paid the sacrifice. He paid the cost for my sins. Jesus arose from the, the grave. He's at the right hand of the father. And if I'll trust him, if, if I'll believe in him, he'll forgive me of my sins and he'll make me a part of God's forever family. He said, oh, okay, that's cool, you know. Right, what do you have? And that, that, was, that was about how the conversation went. We ordered, and he, he went away into the kitchen. Well, unbeknownst to us, the table beside us. Lady gets up from the table, and she spins around, and, and I, I would demonstrate, but the table was a little lower. Literally, she got on her knees, and she put her arms on our table, and she said something, I don't remember her exact words, something along the lines of, that's what I want, or that's, that's what I want, uh, it, to be able to do, or something along those lines. That's what I want. That's what I heard. So we think, well, she heard us share the gospel. She wants to be saved. This time, Pastor Matt wants, you know, he wants to get all the glory here. He begins to tell her how to be saved, you know. He jumps in there. And she's like, no, 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 guys, you don't understand. She was, she was at the convention with her husband, who was a pastor. She said, no, no, no. I was saved when I was 12. She said, but I, I never, never speak of my faith to anyone. And she said, I was having my devotions, and this recently the kids go off to school and I open my Bible and have my devotions. And she said, God spent her words chastising me. Because the greatest thing that ever happened to me, Jesus Christ, saved my soul, made me his child forever. And I never tell anyone about the greatest thing that ever happened to me. She said, I saw you guys just freely sharing with this waiter, and God again just smote my heart and said, that's what you need to be doing. Remind you, remind you, I probably never, just being honest with you, the guy was so busy, I probably never would have opened my mouth about Jesus to rob had he not asked me first. I'm not the hero of the story. But that's what she saw. That's what I want to be able to do. What she was saying in essence was, I'm not, in, I'm not involved in the Father's business at all. But I want to be. Pastor Matt had some great words, Joel. I don't remember what all he said, but he was very encouraging. And he prayed with her. But I remember the only thing I said to her was, I said, do you remember the woman at the well? She said, yes. I said, do you remember what she did? And the lady in Indianapolis, whose name I never got, She said, I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing, was was one of her excuses. I said, do you remember the woman at the well? All she did was tell others what Jesus had done for her. And you literally can't mess that up. Dear friends, that's what God is asking from us. He's asking us to carry on the Father's business. Doesn't matter who you are, you can make a difference in the Father's business. But if you want to stand before the Lord and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servants, you must believe that every soul is valuable to God. I don't care how many tattoos, I don't care the color of their skin, I don't care their past, I don't care what they're smoking or what they're drinking. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ can clean them all up. You must also acknowledge that not everybody's right with God. There's lost people, right now that you know and I know. But the good news is God can use us to help these people who are lost that He already loves get right with God. Would you bow your heads with me as they come with the song this morning? I'm going to pray in just a moment. Our pastors are going to come. Pastor Joel is going to come and receive you. Let me just say, the woman at the well. We're never told her name, we don't know her name, but she represents maybe someone here today that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you've got a past and some things in your past, but I want to tell you the Lord can forgive you of your sins and make you a part of his forever family. We're going to invite you to come, take that next step, and we have a next step table for you as well, but we we want to invite you to take that next step of following the Lord Jesus Christ and becoming a believer, becoming a Christ follower. The woman in Indianapolis, I didn't get her name either. But maybe you're like her, meaning you are a Christian. You are a believer. You've been saved. You've been baptized. But you're really not involved in the Father's business. You're really not telling anyone what Jesus has done for you. Maybe your next step this morning. You don't have to pray for the Holy Spirit of God to come and, and, and be in you. He, he already, he's already there. You just need to pray for boldness. You need to pray for opportunities. And if you don't know how to share your faith, your pastor is one of the best equippers that I know. If you're lost, please come this morning. If you're a Christian and you need an encouragement to share your faith, to be involved in the Father's business, please come this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for allowing us to peer into this, this person's life and seeing you intersect with her. And Lord, she was never the same again. She became a dynamic witness. And I pray, Lord, that we would be the same. For someone here today that doesn't know you, may they come and receive you before it's too late. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, church?
1: Thank you, Dr. Merritt, for that um, great message. And what a great reminder of, um, man, we we need to see people like Jesus sees them. And uh, I love that parable, the Good Samaritan and we as believers need to meet people where they are and um, meet their not only their physical need but also meet their spiritual needs and really that's one of the things we're trying to do uh, with our dental clinic but maybe you heard that message this morning and maybe god spoke to your heart about the fact that you need to begin a relationship with him if you haven't already it begins with you understanding you're a sinner the Samaritan understood he had an issue. He, he didn't know where to turn to help and, and God found him and maybe God has spoken through his Holy Spirit um, to you this morning. And You need to give your heart and life to him. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and your sin separates you from God. And um, God wasn't satisfied with that separation and he sent Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and on the third day, He rose again, conquering sin, death, and hell for you and for me. You've got to believe that. And then third, you've got to confess Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says, We believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth and we will be saved. And if God spoken to your heart this morning, and you need to give your heart and life to Him, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose again to pay the penalty for my sin. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, we wanna say, Welcome to the family, and we want to send you some information in the mail. We want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And most importantly, we want you to know you're not alone in this faith journey with Jesus. And so we've just dropped a um, a link in the chat box that you can click on that says, I commit my life to Christ. If you'll click on that, um, we'll ask you for a little information so we can connect, and um, I'll be in touch with you this week. Hey, it's been awesome to be together in God's house this morning. I can't wait for our time together next week. God bless you. Have a great week.
0: We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org.